Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, tonight, we're going to be covering baseball. Uh, if you caught us a couple weeks ago, we went over our baseball predictions for the season. Uh, since then, there have been some injuries, some other developments with certain teams that, you know, me personally, I couldn't overlook. And I felt like maybe doing a 2.0 or, a, you know, retakes or something like that for some of the picks might be helpful here. Um, I'm Patrick, alongside Wayne, as always. Um, we'll also talk about the White Sox, what we took out of our own fantasy drafts over the weekend, and uh, as well as just looking forward to uh, opening day taking place here uh, Thursday, March 30th, and uh, kind of things we'll pull out you know, for this season, things that we're tracking, interested in overall, and uh, we'll end on some final thoughts. So without further ado, um, Wayne, did you have any retakes or you know, edits you wanted to make to any of your standings or um, you know, player predictions overall? Yeah, thanks, Pat. No, I feel pretty good about where my standings are. I feel like, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, there's been some injuries here and there, but I feel like they've, they've kind of sorted them out, themselves out there. You know, uh, I think maybe both of us predicted like the Phillies to take a little bit of a step back. You know, there's Harper, but then, now, you know, there's also uh, Hoskins as well. He's out for the season. So, you know, that's just several at bat, there's several bats, powerful bats there. Um, you know, so I, I I don't see them necessarily like making a run. Uh, could would love to be proven wrong, but yeah, there's that's just a tough division. I feel like with the Braves and the Mets there. So you know, even if they do get uh, Harper in the later half of the season, it's it's still going to be they probably have, still have to make some ground up there. So um, feeling pretty good overall about all the standings. You know, Blue Jays too. I picked them to win the division. Uh, Yankees have a couple injuries here and there uh, right off the bat. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Jays. Um, I think there was like one uh, award that uh, or two awards, the managers of the of the year awards. I think those are the ones I'm looking at. And I'm, I'm going to go complete homer here. So I'm going to pick uh, Pedro Griffal to uh, win the manager of the year. And then also double home, double homer with the Cubs, David Ross to win manager of the year for the Cubs. Um, you know, they made some free agent acquisitions. I don't know how much you want to put that on David Ross and, and his contributions there, but they still have, you know, a fairly, you know, decent young roster, not too much expectations, had 74 wins last season. So, you know, with the um, acquisitions that they made, you know, uh, maybe a plus year from Cody Bellinger. Um, hey, I, I definitely think that they have enough assets to like maybe win like around 500 or closer to like, you know, 80 some odd games. So, and I think that's, uh, and you know, we were speaking about this in the last episode we did for baseball. It was like, it's kind of hard to pick like a manager of the year. Cause it's usually like a, you know, a manager that is takes a team that uh, like was probably predicted for like 60 wins or 70 wins. And then, yeah, turns them into 80 or, you know, maybe more. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I think those are like just kind of my initial ones there. Uh, you know, again, didn't see too many changes, I think, from uh, what I predicted, you know, definitely for the White Sox Central uh, and all that, too. So, yeah, not too many changes there. I feel pretty confident, I think, with uh, my choices uh, in terms of the, the standings uh, and also awards, too. So, but Pat, what about you? Um, any comments of my takes? And we'd love to hear about all the fun changes that you, <laughs> you've talked about uh, making uh, this, this past couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess first off, I have a, a question for you just with the the David Ross pick. Where do you think the Cubs end up this year? I mean, if you're picking them to win manager of the year, 
Um, I'd have to imagine this, the club have to be over 500. So, I mean, are they a playoff team in your mind or are they just like just barely missing out on, on getting in? I think they might miss out. Um, yeah, I think they might miss out. And I, I might have picked, I think I picked the Brewers not even missing the playoffs there. I think you you had them in there. So that's something where I feel like, you know, maybe they can, maybe they can't. But um, in terms of at least, you know, the Cubs and where they stand, yeah, I'm I'm actually getting more optimistic about them, I feel like. Uh, so within that division, you know, it is, I, you know, if you look at the NL, like it's, I guess, one of the weaker divisions, you know, you look at the NL East, that's definitely packed and stacked. The NL West, like, you, you know, the Dodgers, even though they've had some injuries here and there, and, you know, obviously have the Padres too, and suspensions, et cetera, for, on their end and some injuries as well. Um, you know, it's, you look at the, the NL Central though, it's definitely a very like winnable uh, type of division, just not, not as strong, I guess, as the, the other uh, divisions that I men- mentioned in the NL. So that's where I see, yeah, the, and, you know, you look at the Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, not too much there. So I, I definitely feel like they could, uh, you know, score some wins there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's fair. I think the Cubs are going to, they're going to have a decent year. Uh, you know, like you're saying with that division, the bottom of it is terrible. Like we'll be two of the worst baseball teams, I think in the league and even the Brewers, like they're missing a lot of punch on offense. They have some pretty good pitchers, um, you know, throughout the rotation, but yeah, I mean, I think besides the Cardinals, there's not really like a sure thing there. Um, I guess overall I'm kind of like in line with what you're speaking about with the Phillies and uh, enough so that that's one of my modif- you know, modifications, I guess, were in the NL East and then also in the AL East. But at least in the NL East, I'm going to get a little bit more bullish now on the Miami Marlins. Um, not to a point where I'm putting them over the Mets to, you know, um, grab a wild card spot or whatever else. But I think they're going to be uh, better than most people think. I think the Phillies – might actually stumble below 500 this year without Hoskins and Harper. I think that's being really overlooked. It's not being taken seriously enough by analysts. I think that, you know, Trey Turner's obviously amazing baseball player, but there are like certain emotional blows. I think certain teams just can't weather and coming into a year with a couple big injuries. I mean, you think about any sports team in any league, whenever that's the case, there is some sort of effect that it has on the guys in the locker room. Like, you just lose out on a little bit of that confidence, the edge that you had, you know, going into the year or what you did the previous season. So I see them taking a step back and, you know, like you're saying, the pitching across the NL East is pretty dominant. And if the Phillies are down two of their better hitters and they have to go against, you know, the Braves staff, the Mets staff, and now the Marlins staff, you know, I think they're going to catch a lot more L's than people are thinking. And, you know, if the Marlins can piece together any sort of offense with the guys they got, you know, in a, in a rise and you brought over Yuli Gurriel last week and Jose Iglesias on minors deals. They've got, you know, some decent punch in the outfield with Dela Cruz, um, you know, maybe Soler, Avisail, you know, uh, Jesus Sanchez could have some sort of bounce back years, but yeah, I'm going to put them in third. And uh, I actually just second guess myself with the Mets winning the division. I think the Braves are, I, I like their rotation now more than I thought. Um, There's a few guys toward the end of their rotation that we don't talk about as much. Um, We have Schuster, uh, who's a 24-year-old lefty, who's been just pretty dominant in spring training. First-round pick of theirs or second-round one or the other, but he's been moving up the minors pretty quickly. He got the call for the fifth spot in the rotation. Um, They've got another starter named Dylan Dodd, who's younger. 
just barely missed out on the rotation, but he's kind of in line. And then they had um, Bryce Elder from last year, who was pretty good, who's probably going to start in the minors. So it's just like they're going pretty deep in their rotation. And I really didn't consider those three um, probably as much as I should have. And uh, that offense is stacked just like the Mets is. And uh, just looking at the Edwin Diaz injury and Jose Quintana, that just like bumps him down just a little bit for me. I still think they'll be good, but I had to just make some mods there. Um, in the AL East, the only thing I wanted to do is flip-flop the Blue Jays and the Yankees for similar reasons as, you know, what's been going on with the Mets and other teams. But to to kind of not be really sure about where Rodon's going to be this year, like, that's a huge one for them because they're already missing some starters um, in general. Luis Severino is going to start in the IL. Montas mm-hmm. um, will also be probably missing most of the season. So it's just like all these things I think Yankees fans and sports fans were banking on with the Yankees this year. It's like they're not really returning a lot of uh, the same talent they had even last year. And it's like, mm-hmm. they didn't make enough splashes in the off season besides spending way too much money on Aaron judge, even though he's an amazing baseball player. It's like, I didn't see enough uh, from them. that gets me too excited. And I think Anthony Volpe, although he may have like a really, you know, great career as a Yankee, I just think coming up at 20 years old to be the starting shortstop. I mean, Derek Jeter obviously is, you know, <laughs> is 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 a legend but it's like there's a lot of expectations being placed there on really young guys and i just think the blue jays are more sound uh top to bottom so uh those were my two main mods that i just wanted to throw out there doesn't affect my playoff bracket all that much i still have the padres over the blue jays um ultimately mm-hmm. but uh yeah just wanted to throw those points out there yeah no for sure i'll comment on the uh the, the your, your shake up in the al east and i can uh attack with the the nl east there so um yeah, I I definitely agree. I think with regards, I think I I had the Yankees second here, but I'm almost like w- wondering will the Rays actually catch up with the Yankees here? Uh, you know, how I, I mentioned it last time, like healthy Franco, uh, he- healthy uh, uh, Brandon Lowe, like, and then you know Glasnow is going to be coming back. I know he has a oblique injury. He may be back like in May. I think late April uh, is potentially what they're looking at. So you know, having a, a team basically like they're the lineups and the rosters that they had like two years ago when they like won a hundred games or something like that or close to it. So, you know, if they have all those uh, assets healthy, like, you know, and then the Yankees, they have a bunch of new faces, injuries here and there. Um, yeah, I, I, it can definitely, it's not out of question. I, I think with regards to the Rays overtaking the Yankees in this division, I still think the Blue Jays will probably win it. Um, you know, going to the season right now, at least they're healthy. Uh, I know Ryu, uh, he's looking to probably come mid-season, and you know, that can only help, right? They still have a pretty decent uh, pitching staff there. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I think, like that take and see, you know, the Yankees uh, maybe taking uh, a step back here uh, in the AL East. Um, and then, yeah, with regards to the NL East, you know, uh, I did like those points I think you mentioned with regards to, uh, you know, Diaz being out, like, I, you know, we can talk about sabermetrics and closers and stuff like that. In the end of the day, he's one of the game's best closers, in, you know, in all baseball. So that definitely is going to be a blow there. Um, and then, yeah, with the Phillies, like you mentioned, that pitching, the pitching staff in that entire uh, division is just stacked. So uh, when you lose any type of bats in on your offensive side, uh, and, you know, we, we can talk about also the Phillies pitching staff, you know, yeah, I, I think they added uh, Walker, I think, Taylor Walker, but 
other than that, like not, not, not too many changes here and there. It's still have Wheeler and Noah, which is great, right? But still at the end of the day, you know, you're going against some top line pitching. Uh, and then they also have top line hitting too, and you're you're missing two of your best at bats. So um great, yeah, they added Trey Turner, but like you mentioned, uh, I feel like it's kind of just an arms race, the NLEs. So um yeah, interesting if the Marlins are able to take the Phillies. I don't think so at the end of the day, but that could be something. You know, they definitely have the pitching staff to do that. I just don't know if the hitting's there uh, is is kind of my take on that. But um, yeah, uh, the the Braves though, uh, d- they definitely are looking and moving up. I think in that division though. Yeah, I mean the only other thing with the Phillies is I think Ranger Suarez is going to be out for some time too. So it's like it really starts to cut into that rotation. I think you can count on probably a lot from Nola and Wheeler. But yeah, once Taiwan Walker is kind of done, then it's like. You want know, to Bailey Falter, there's, you know, maybe some other guys that, you know, are kind of fifth, sixth starters, maybe they're going to like play around with there. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just getting thinner by the day. Um, I like your point about the Rays. I think you can never overlook them. They've been so good for, you know, 10 plus years, whatever it is now. Um, you know, even going back to like the Madden years, they've just established a culture of winning uh, next man up kind of mentality um losing glass now hurts for a couple months and i think wander franco like they're still trying to figure out uh i think they're doing mri on his quad or something something going on with his lower um you know lower half and it's uh i don't know if it's going to take away ball games they haven't really made like real analysis uh clear there yet but uh if he's down for some time that just takes like another you know big hit to that roster but they're the type of team that's like so resilient and they just know how to develop they know how to like recruit the right free agent on a discount and like they're just going to be competitive you know they're going to be competitive so yeah if the yankees uh stumble i mean the at least is a lot different than it was when we were growing up you know like toronto spending real money the rays got really smart even the orioles now like i don't expect a, a whole lot you know from them like kind of moving up the standings with the rotation they have and where it's kind of at but like they're still making strides they're bringing up some real talent from the minors and uh you know they're getting their stuff together so um we'll just have to see but um yeah no i think i think thoughts all around are pretty are pretty solid there's a lot of uh randomness that can occur throughout a baseball season there's teams that can emerge out of really nowhere just getting hot and stringing wins together so um anything's really possible yeah, I know I'm excited and yeah, I'm definitely excited, you know, potentially what's going to happen with the White Sox. You know, I mentioned, I guess, Pedro Gafal and everything. Um, so that's where I'm really giddy about. So, um, so yeah, Pat, like, what are your thoughts on the White Sox this season moving forth? Uh, you know, any predictions, any players that you're excited to see and, and, and watch? Yeah. Um, I might've mentioned this on our 1.0, um, on the predictions, but I like our top end talent better than most teams in our division. I think I would take our top end guys, whether that's, you know, three of our starting pitchers or five of our lineup stars. Like I would take those guys over anybody else's three and five in those categories. I think the, the thing that I'm still worried about is, you know, what happens when a couple guys go down, which probably will happen. I mean, just based on how much time some of these guys have missed over the last couple of years, you can expect there to be some periods of time where maybe we're not going to have our full roster or some of our guys will be on the IL. So it's like, who's the next man to step up? Who's going to be, you know, filling those holes. Like I love what I saw from Hanser Alberto in spring training, but 
career wise, he's under like a 300 OBP, which is just really underwhelming. His batting average actually almost matches his OBP because he doesn't walk and he, you know, just strikes out a ton. He like loves to swing the bat, but, um, you know, it's kind of like Gavin Sheets, you know, if he's not playing DH in first, I don't want to see him out in the outfield all that much. Um, you know, just kind of Romy Gonzalez is that guy able to play real, you know, real time for us, real, you know, productive games for us, um, at the professional level. Like it's all like yet to be seen. I worry a little bit about, you know, what I've been hearing from Kopech in the in spring training, just not really, you know, showing out or showing, you know, much improvement over what, you know, he's done last year and stuff. And it's like, those things are kind of concerning. Clevenger, I think got rocked by the Cubs even too the other day. So it's like, I don't know, man. I, all that said, um, the guardians just lost Tristan McKenzie today. Um, he's going to be gone for eight weeks. That's their number two starter. That's really good news for us. Um, I do think that the twins just, they're going to have injury issues of their own, probably just based on history with guys like Buxton, Correa, um, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda might not be all that, but it's like, I just feel like they've got a deeper rotation. They go seven deep. When you look at their backups and the guys that they have in the high minors, it's like they've got some depth to pull from there where it's like you miss Buxton, you can bring in Michael Taylor. You lose Correa, you've got Kyle Farmer, who was like a starting shortstop for the Reds last year. So it's like they've just got some guys who've been there, done it a little bit more. So uh, I think I'm still going to stick with the Twins there reluctantly. I want the Sox to be a 100-win team this year. I want them to win it all. I want everything to go perfectly. Um, but I have a little bit of doubts. If there is some things that I'm especially excited about, um, looking forward to Andrew Vaughn's progress. I'd love to see him just be a 30, 100 guy, like masher. Like I think we all think he's capable of being. And then Oscar Colas, um, I know he has a lot of swing and miss to his game, but just hearing really good things out of spring training, hopefully his time in uh, Japan and, you know, in Cuba and the minors have been, you know, good enough experience for him to like feel comfortable at the pro level. So if he can take real strides and be an everyday outfielder, like production wise, that's a real steal for us because we need solid defense out there. Number one, but we also need a guy who can stick a little bit from the left side too. Yeah, no, that's a good take. Um, and I definitely agree. I like if, if we're able to be, I think healthy, right. Is the biggest thing for the white Sox. Uh, and if, if we're not like when an, an injury is inevitable, it's, you know, it's bound to happen. Um, it, it is nice. Yeah. We do have, I guess, in my opinion, like a Gavin sheets in the, you know, potentially in the outfield or if to spell, you know, Andrew Vaughn, like it is nice to have a Gavin Sheets who can slug it out there. So I, I definitely like, you know, that Jake Berger too, again, you know, uh, having a slugger there. So I think there is some depth, but uh, to me, yeah, it's just making sure that we're our players as healthy as possible. Uh, I mean, I think I, I liked how Moncada has been looking like, you know, I guess in this preseason, if you will, with uh, the world baseball classic. So I think that's something to be hopeful for, but um, yeah, the, the pitching squad hasn't really uh, shown too much uh, this spring training. I think all our pitchers have like, gotten shelled on occasions here and there. So, um, you know, that's not as promising. Hopefully it's just, you know, them experimenting and then, you know, uh, screwing around a little bit there. So, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm just trying to be as optimistic as possible. Maybe it is the homer in me again, like I said. So I am predicting them to win the division here. Um, probably like 90 some odd games, uh, to win it. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, Tristan McKenzie, uh, 
yeah, out for several you know weeks, uh, about two months now, right? So um, I, I definitely feel, I guess, confident. Unfortunately, <laughs> enough or unfortunate for them, but yeah, I, I think that definitely gives us hopefully an opportunity to to get ahead there. Um, I am interested to see though what happens with the Royals. They, I think, you know, they had they've had a really good spring training. Uh, they do have like some young pitching, although you know not completely proven. So if there is like a sleeper pick, uh, in my opinion, on teams that could, you know, maybe not even win the division, but make a a push, you know, maybe like to like 500, and that can take some wins away from you know the White Sox or Twins. Um, yeah, potentially the Royals is a team. I guess I might be a little bit afraid of there. Um, just a lot of young talent that they've, you know, accumulated through uh, some draft picks and, you know, getting rid of some free agents and things like that. So, but um, yeah, they've been looking pretty good this, uh, this spring training and uh, you know, that, that definitely could be potentially a team, you know, with wit and everything singer. So um, if there's a young team out there that can uh, scrap some wins and, you know, make a push uh, yeah, it could potentially be the Royals there, but overall excited for the White Sox. Hopeful, hope, hoping for the best, hoping they stretch and get in motion and everything so they don't get hurt. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just – I just want to see Luis Robert play like 150 games. You know, yes. like we've just heard nothing about this immense talent. And same goes for Eloy. It's like I think those guys are clearly on like a, another shelf when it comes to just, you know, the near elite to elite baseball players in the game. And it's like we just haven't gotten to see them play to their potential you know Mankata hopefully his back's okay I know he had that big collision in the world baseball classic but you know don't want to start off with him losing time and uh Tim Anderson's been just kind of hobbled over the last couple of seasons but still I mean he's a really productive player um an all-star shortstop I mean I really I like Tim I just you need to see him out there so I'm excited and uh yeah I don't mind your Royals uh you know, dark horse pick as well. I mean, they've got, you know, outside of Witt and Singer, I mean, Vinny Pasquantino is, you know, really good, um, you know, walk to strikeout ratio guy. He's got a really great eye at the plate, good power. Um, he's coming up, he's on the rise. MJ Melendez, a catcher guy hit like 40 home runs as a catcher in double AA, A, triple A and uh, 21. And it's like, they're just waiting for him to kind of bust out of his shell. Um, and, you know, Granky's still there. He's still like, getting innings and you know pitching pretty decently so even though he'll strike out like one guy per nine innings like he's still you know just kind of a wizard out there so yeah they, they might have a little bit of like uh dog in them and it might be interesting to you know I, i'm sure we'll have some really scrappy series against them throughout the year that's what i'm probably uh going to be seeing uh throughout this season yeah yeah it's definitely going to be a grind i think uh within the al central here uh you know even though the Guardians won the division last year, like I'm looking at a bunch of other, you know, predictions for 2023, not one has predicted them to win the division. It always seems like, oh, you know, even though they really haven't lost like too many players, I know they lost Justin McKenzie, right, uh, to injury, but they still have a lot of their roster intact. It's just like they, there's a feeling that they're all going to take a regression or, you know, some sort of regression there and then obviously there's a lot of optimism for the white Sox, new manager um you know new regime not completely new regime but you know different uh feel i think towards uh this season and then uh yeah you know like you mentioned there's been a lot of i think uh optimism for the twins 
Um, you know, hopefully again, yeah, they, they, they are healthy too with every, all the talent that they have bucks into and all that fun stuff. So it's like, Hey, if they can, um, you know, they, they've always been in that scrappy team. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I think in this division, but yeah, there's just a lot of, I guess, unknowns, a lot of, uh, it's, it's definitely not as defined. I feel like as like maybe the, uh, the AL or NL East as much. So I don't know about you, uh, when your draft actually took place, but at least for, fantasy um i had my draft um on sunday and always a great time just love honestly sitting there uh in my picks really quiet i mean i feel like i had a couple friends over um but in general we didn't even talk to each other until like round 10 which is just like the funniest thing but my buddy brought his monitor over so he's sitting across uh in my family just on my dining room whatever like had a monitor and then his laptop i had my laptop and my phone and some notes and then his brother just went off with his phone. So, but, uh, I don't know for me, like some people like jumping out of planes or surfing or, you know, uh, you know, climbing large mountains or something like, I just loved like looking at stats and, uh, geeking out over some of my favorite <laughs> baseball players. So, uh, we had a great time and, uh, man, the spread was, was real nice. And, uh, I know we always save food for final thoughts, but I gotta, I gotta like just, shell it out here because it's it's just so fitting but uh i ordered you know five pizzas um i had a pineapple bacon and spicy chili uh sauce underneath uh the cheese for that one we had a white pizza with chicken and spinach on it we had a pepperoni feta onion one that was pretty good a meat lovers and a cheese and uh my buddy my buddy brought over from this heidelberg bakery in arlington he brought over these really big pretzels, soft pretzels, and then cronuts. Um, I don't know if we talked about cronuts on the donut segment, but um, man, like nearly life-changing, dude. Like I I can't remember if there's something else that has like a croissant interior to it, but like the donut and the croissant are like a perfect marriage. So do you have any quick thoughts on cronuts at all? Um, I mean, I like them better than mochi nuts. You know, I think I was mm. talking to one of my friends about mochi nuts. Like, why are this? Why is this a thing? Like, they're not that. I think it's like like a petite, like you know, maybe for women that are trying to like watch their waistlines a little bit, like all that, right? Um, I think that's like where there's a little bit more allure. But to your point with regards to cronuts, it's like, yo, uh, croissant donut. Like, let's make this thing happen. Like, there's no no apologies whatsoever for what you're about to experience. So. Um, I definitely like a good Krona for sure. So, man, like you've been talking about like dieting and stuff like that, and I'm like, <laughs> how's, that, how's that going on right now right with all this stuff? You have a salad, I think, for breakfast tomorrow or something. <laughs> yeah, it's been weird, like not to get into like workout meals, etc. But it's like just trying to cut like carbs and stuff. That's just you know, if you can take the bun out, or if you can just take you know, any sort of like mayo, just sauces that like are just not going to contribute to your health, like within the food. Like that's kind of how I've been more or less eating, but it's just, you get to these big parties. Like we talked about Super Bowl or others, like you just got to have fun, you know? So it's like, I, I still have my fun, like, you know, a few nights a week, I would say, but it's like, you know, he also like, we brought over like a bunch of Guinness, you know, lagers and just, you know, the, the, the drought, you know, drafts as well. So it's just like, you know, man, just got to like kick back and just enjoy the finer things in life sometimes. But uh, yeah. yeah, dude, uh, overall, just, um, you know, it was a good draft uh, party, number one. Um, and I guess number two, just like 
the draft itself, like we can definitely discuss how both of our drafts went. Um, I know you joined a public league for mine. It's a 12 team head to head points league. So just kind of the criteria that I go off is a little bit different. You know, I'm looking for guys with plate discipline, uh, pitchers, you know, with strikeouts, the ratios aren't as important. So I know there's leagues where ERA whip are really, you know, standard important, but for us, it's more or less like, you know, earned runs to K's and quality starts and stuff like that. So you're, you know, looking for guys that can probably, you know, gobble up a bunch of innings and fire a bunch of strikeouts and stuff like that. So, um, you know, maybe we turn to you real quick to like kind of set up yours. And then uh, if you want, we can just go a couple rounds a piece and talk about the guys we drafted. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, mine was just head to head, you know, I just went on ESPN. I was like, Hey, let me just join a draft to see what, 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 you know, what all this fuss is about. So I did all that just a standard uh, snake draft uh, on ESPN. Um, and I, I was able to nab the the third pick um overall and you know we talked about Shohei he definitely was first I think he's going first in like most leagues out there unless people are crazy um and then Soto was second and I was like you know what like they they took like the two best like I guess positional players or you know Shohei's a little bit of both so I'm gonna go with or I went with uh Garrett Cole just because you know uh he's been durable you know pretty much most of his career um and is a strikeout machine so you know th- there's definitely been i guess that talk between you know cole and corbin burns right for i guess top pitcher you know corbin burns had like 240 so much strikeouts i think this season um i think the key differentiator there you know wins is a is a category you know for for stats here so i'm just thinking that uh garrett cole he's gonna put out more wins of the yankees offense um you know so that's that's kind of my th- overall thinking there to me against uh over you know aaron judge jose ramirez were some other names there but you know i i just feel like uh garrett cole i know he's uh a little bit older 32 and everything but I, he's uh he really hasn't regressed too much i think <laughs> you know the pre- past couple of seasons 200 like 30 plus strikeouts in each of the past couple of seasons and has pitched you know at least uh, 30 games so feeling pretty good about um that one there and then you know what? I just went a little bit wild round two as well. Um, again, snake drafts so was a little bit later in the second round, just ten teams. Uh, I, I doubled up on pitching. I got uh, the future Cy Young of the AL, Dylan Cease. So uh, you know, just went two strikeout machines basically. Uh, hoping also again, I'm optimistic for the White Sox. I think you know Cease's win total will increase as well on top of you know, all the strikeouts he'll get and accumulate and not allowing too many runs. So, um, yeah, those are my first two picks. Uh, Pat, what do you think? And would love to hear yours. Yeah. Um, I also picked from the third spot, um, points league, just a little bit different, but Garrett Cole, um, was on kind of my short list of guys that I was considering once, you know, before the draft actually kicked off officially. So my thoughts were, you know, the first two guys to go in my league were going to be judge and J Ram. So I was like, Hmm, like, if it does fall to me, my next options are an elite hitter, or I can go with one of the three starters that, you know, performed the best last year. If the two guys you mentioned up front and then El Contra, so I was like, okay, who's going to be, you know, who's going to be my choice at number three. And uh, the first guy in our order picked uh, Acuna, which I was like, okay, Acuna is a stud. Like we all know that, but a lot of his value comes from the fact that he can steal bases as well as have the power that he does. And he actually probably plays better to a categories league, in my opinion. So it was like, 
okay, so now I'm going to get one of the two bashers that I was looking for. Um, so instead of the pitchers, I got Aaron Judge, you know, to kind of fall to me. And um, to be honest with you, um, last year he had about 630 points in my league versus a guy like J-Ram, who I think had like 550 or so. And uh, I think Acuna had under 500 just based on his injuries. So I was like, okay, you give me the best player in the entire, you know, league, at least how our points are, you know, devised at number three overall. I'm like, that was an easy pick for me. Um, working its way back, a lot of the big pitchers started falling off the board. Um, you know, you were talking about Cease. Um, he might have gone a little bit after the second round. Maybe at the end of the second round is when Cease went. Um, but I was seeing a lot of the more elite pitching, like all the guys we just talked about with Spencer Strider, Aaron Nola, other guys. So I was like, okay, everybody else is going pitching. Like, I'd love to grab a good pitcher here, but it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I went with Rafael Devers um, to play third base. Um, maybe a little bit of a scarcer position this year, but just in general, um, I think two years back, he was a top five hitter in fantasy last year. I think he had, you know, missed 20 or so games. So I think his value got cut a little bit, but he still put up a good amount of points last year. He's probably like a top 20 player last year. And, you know, looking at a lot of the projections, I was like, okay, if he just stays a little healthier this year, but does the same thing, like it's not going to be a bad pick. It's, 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 if anything, it's just going to be like a good, you know, um, a good enough second round pick where I don't have to worry about too much risk in that sense. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. I, I think those players are really solid. Uh, you know, you're really loving the AL East here, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and I'm not too familiar, I guess, with the Red Sox lineup at the moment, but if Yoshida's ahead of him, then uh, betting ahead of uh, Devers, then that, that's going to be some RBI opportunities, I think, for Devers, who's proven that he can be kind of that middle of the lineup type of, player yeah you know the red sox you know probably not going to win the division this year right but hey if devers can uh, knock in yoshida and yoshida had like a really good on base percentage you know it's one of those japanese players they definitely seem to be a lot more disciplined and uh, probably apart from each row i think right uh just discipline at the plate so um i think that's a good uh that could be potentially a good haul i think there at the second uh and then aaron judge you know yeah, if you know, uh, total bases is a, a key metric for, for your league, then I definitely think that's a good um, haul there, especially, you know, with all the locks that he, he's going to be getting. So on top of, you know, his production with home runs, et cetera, too. So, yeah. For sure. Um, who'd you grab in the third and fourth? Third and fourth. Let me see now here. So uh, third, round three, uh, had the third pick. Um uh, I, I definitely wanted to get a positional player, <laughs> and I was kind of debating between um, a couple players here. It was Pete Alonzo was available. Mike Trout was available. I thought, you know, maybe him, but I kind of went for the positional value here uh, as shortstop Corey Seager. Um, you know, he's still fairly young, still a bit of upside, so shortstop position, you know, there's uh, at, at this point in the draft, you know, a lot of them are already kind of taken. Um, so I definitely wanted to have somebody that, you know, can get those bases, uh, slug it out a little bit. Um, so yeah, I went with Corey Seager there again, like I mentioned before, uh, Mike Trout and Pete Alonzo, Marcus Simeon, I think was also available, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, et cetera. Um, and then, uh, fourth round here, 
uh yeah again my draft is a little bit different from yours uh i picked i i was actually able to nab uh rafael devers here so uh, yeah fell in the fell to the fourth round for me um and you know like I, all the points i mentioned before uh you know still plays in fenway and he can still slug in in fenway i feel like and hey if he can if he's healthy with yoshida you know hopefully betting ahead of him then i think that's going to produce some rbis there so yeah absolutely i mean fourth round is i mean that's that's criminal um I, I agree his offense is not going to be the Yankees offense, the Blue Jays offense, other great offenses across the league. But, I mean, he's only 26 years old, and that's the thing. Like, he's already had two to three quality seasons before then, and it's like, you know, if he's if he's in the top 20 at 26 years old and he's stayed relatively healthy and he's going to bat a top, you know, that lineup, even if it only goes five deep, it's like I still like his chances of having a good – you know, productive season and being like one of the top, you know, couple third basemans out there. So to grab him in the fourth round was, you know, definitely a steal. And then Corey Seager um, had a great year last year. Um, so did it, so did Marcus Simeon for the Rangers too in their first years as as Rangers or whatnot. But um, you know, he he has experienced some injuries earlier on in his career, but for whatever reason, he was able to string it together and kind of play through a full season last year. And, you know, he's going to put those numbers up. Like he's a very balanced hitter. He's got a really good batting approach. Um, you know, he's not going to drop 40 home runs or anything like that, but you're going to get a lot of doubles, a lot of runs, a lot of base hits, good average, good OBP. So I think that's a really safe pick to be honest with you. Um, and one of the more quality shortstops in the game. Well, thank you, Pat. Who, uh, who's your next uh, couple picks there? Um, three and four, I got Paul Goldschmidt, um, coming back to me, which I just, you know, last year, I think based on points alone, he was top five as an offensive player. Um, so to kind of see him fall, I know he's going into his age 35 season, but I was like, man, this guy put up just a great amount of points last year. And again, I was kind of eyeing a starting pitcher because I don't necessarily want to go into the year with not a lot of depth there, but I was like, some of this value just falling to me because a lot of people went pitching heavy was like just too obvious for me to overlook. So I just grabbed him because I knew that's another guy I think is pretty safe and he's going to be consistent and probably put up the points that he normally does. And like, I just don't have to, you know, sweat about his risk return there. Um, Coming back to me, I got Framber Valdez in the fourth round. And I know to many, that's like a name that's like, oh yeah, Framber Valdez, he's a good pitcher, this and that. And, you know, yeah, you know, like he's a nice to have kind of guy in my staff, but you know, again, looking at my numbers and the way that we work, um, quality starts matters, um, strikeouts matter, wins matter, all that good stuff, earn runs. He was a really just great pitcher last year. If you really look at the numbers, I mean, 200 innings, 195 strikeouts. Um, I think he had the most quality starts in the game and he was a top four pitcher last year and just overall points in my league. So I was like, I think 12 to 13 other pitchers went before him. So I was like, you're going to give me the fourth guy and he's still in his prime. Now he's going to be, you know, the head of the rotation there with Verlander out. I'm like, he plays for the Astros just seemed like super safe for me. So I, I didn't have any qualms taking him right there. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I, I definitely like uh Goldschmidt. I, you know, he's definitely just going to be a consistent, um, you know, good batting, especially with the Cardinals and that, uh, that offense and that roster, uh, you know, he's going to have, protection with Ornato as well. So I think he's going to still like, you know, still going to be able to contribute. I think there, 
Um, and yeah, like first base, they tend to age fairly well, right, compared to, I guess, maybe some other positions. So, um, and then, yeah, Valdez, uh, I mean, that's the thing with uh, the Astros is like, they're all pretty damn good. <laughs> so if if he can just continue on build, build off of what he did last year, and then, yeah, I think that's a solid choice too. So, um, and yeah, I could potentially even get some wins for you as well, you know, uh, uh, with that uh, lineup there. So how about you for uh, rounds five and six? Yeah, rounds five and six I got. Uh, so I had the third pick, fifth round. Uh, I was able to nab second baseman. I, I kind of went the infielder route here. Uh, Ozzy Albius uh, from Atlanta, the second baseman there. Um, you know, still still young and everything. I know he's kind of battled injuries here and there, uh, but still has uh, all the talent in the world, I feel like. So uh picked him. You know, I didn't really want to go too much, uh, I guess, pitching here. There was some pitches here I thought about nabbing, like, Alec Manoa, I, I was definitely thinking about that. Like in terms of overall, like you know, points and stuff like that. I, I definitely think he could be a good contributor, especially you know, get some wins. I think with Toronto there, um, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. was also here. Will Smith for a catcher, that was definitely something I considered there. But yeah, for me, I, I wanted to get the, the second baseman. Um, for me, it's you know, sometimes. I think there's kind of a drop off. I don't know if there's any analytics behind this, but I feel like sometimes for second baseman, there can be a significant drop off uh, in terms of, I guess, you know, producing runs, batting, hitting, and things like that. So um, I was like, you know, with that Atlanta roster, I feel like getting an Aussie Albies uh, can be, you know, of good value there. Uh, and then with my sixth round pick, um, I did want to go outfielder here. My first outfielder, right? Go figure. Uh, is Cleveland Guardians outfielder uh, Stephen Kwan actually so uh, really great in terms of getting like on base, batting average, etc. Maybe not the biggest slugger, but you know I think I can address that in other uh, in, in later rounds too, uh, especially with the positional value I guess that I got with my infield. I feel like you know getting some slugging outfielders I think is what what I was looking for in the in the, the rounds afterwards. So yeah, those are my two picks. Yeah, Albies in round five is, um, I think, industry is pretty, you know, good with that, especially with second base being thinner at the start of the year than it usually is. Sometimes I see, like, over the course of the year, like when prospects started coming up or whatever it could be, like, sometimes I think some of this position scarcity stuff is, like, a little bit overblown by the analysts. I think they're just, you know, obviously doing their due diligence there and kind of trying to set up tiers and things like that. But um, overall, I think Albies is a great player. Um, if there is a knock on him, they said that, you know, when he did pop, I think 30 home runs in one of the, you know, seasons ago, maybe it was 2021. Um, he might've been banged up a little bit last year, but uh, they said that that was like kind of like the juice ball, you know, the end of the juice ball era or whatever. And uh, you know, so just to expect some like power regression, but he's still, he's still a really good baseball player. I mean, he's, he's going to get runs. He's going to drive guys in. He usually bats in a power spot. So probably count on a lot of RBIs from the second base position, which probably pretty uncharacteristic for most other guys. Uh, Stephen Kwan was an on-base machine last year for the Guardians. So, you know, if he can repeat what he did last year or come close, like that's a really great guy to like carry your average up, your OBP, some steals, a um, lot of runs. I mean, I just think 
he plays the game the right way. He's really disciplined. Um, would love to have a Stephen Kwan on the White Sox for sure. Um, just have to see how that team pans out because I think a part of what we talk about with the Guardians is like, do we really believe it? You know, was last year a real thing or did a lot of guys just play above their heads? You know, maybe a guy like Juan or Andres Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario. So it's kind of like, I want to see more maybe, but uh, the Guardians are a great team. Uh, they're really well coached, well organized. So um, I think those two picks are fine. And uh, yeah, no, solid. What do you got and uh, next in your picks? Yeah, so for round five as it came back, this was a really tough one for me um, because what I started to feel was a lot of that starting pitcher pressure. You know, I was like, man, guys are just gobbling up all the guys that I'll need to build a rotation out with. So I felt in this spot, I had to take a starting pitcher, and I think I had 10 seconds left on my timer because I had to let Alex Bregman go. And Alex Bregman to me, Number one, I had Devers at third. I didn't need a third baseman, but I have two utility spots. And I was just like, mm-hmm. like Bregman is like one of my man crushes in baseball because like as much as he's a scoundrel, just on paper, this guy in his walk to K ratio is just so good. He's such a good bat. You know, he's such a, he has such a good batting eye and he has a lot of power and his game is just really underappreciated to me. I feel like there's, always a debate about the best third basements. And I feel like he's not even in the discussion. And, uh, you know, when you look under the hood, I just think he's just so solid, but I had a pass on him to go out to the Northwest where you were once from. And this guy's having a great spring, but has also won the Cy Young before. So I went after Robbie Ray, um, as my second starter felt like we've seen him do really big things. And even when he's kind of not having his best stuff, he's still able to strike out a lot of guys, and his counting stats are usually pretty steady uh, overall. I feel like he's stayed relatively healthy too. So, went on a limb a little bit, felt a little dirty about it because I didn't get Bregman, but feel good enough about like how my rotation started there. And then for the sixth round pick, I got our guy from last year, um, Tommy Edmond, top five WAR from last season. Um, again, guy who can steal bases. He can score a bunch of runs. If he's hitting a top of the order, like really excited about him. I think one of the things they've been talking about with him and why maybe his value has been dropped a little bit is that there's going to be some competition for the leadoff spot. And they're more or less saying like he may bat, you know, uh, leadoff when there are um, lefties on the hill. And then I think when they're righties, they may drop him further down for Lars Newtbar. So, um, that would probably hurt if he's batting in the nine hole and not getting enough at bats. But um, in general, at the second base position, again, up front, it's a little scarce. So I was like, okay, I think I can count on Tommy Edmond to be a good baseball player there. Yeah, I I think you ought to have gone with your heart and got Alex Bregman, I feel like, you know. <laughs> like, this is definitely one of those, like, oh, you know, uh, like, she may look really, really good or something like that, but – does she have soul? Do I love her? Do I have that lust for her, that passion, whatever? So, no, I get it. Um, you definitely needed some pitching, it sounded like. So, uh, not going to fault you for that. Um, yeah, Tommy Edmund, man, <laughs> Mr. War. I feel like, you know, if this was like, if war was like a, like a, like a fantasy football stat, I don't know how that would work out, right? But if it was a fantasy football stat that, or a baseball stat, then I feel like that could be a pretty amazing. Uh, player to have there as you know second baseman or kind of a utility there so um no i think that's i think those are all fun picks there so um 
I can go on with my seventh and then eighth rounder here, though. Um, yeah, my seventh round, and I drafted before I think the news came out that uh, this player got hurt. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, actually, here. Uh, yeah, I know. I wanted to solidify my pitching staff a little bit and then kind of go to some other positional uh, players there. So I went with Tristan McKenzie. I thought, you know, uh, still plays for the Guardians and everything, and uh, he, he he had really solid stats last season. Uh, but yeah, just was not accounting for him to get, uh, being hurt uh, off the bat here. So um, and it's kind of sad because if I was looking at uh, or targeting uh, one player here that I'm looking at, uh, Dalton Varsho, I, I, for positional value and for his positional flexibility, that was something I was eyeing. So wasn't able to nab him um, again in the seventh round here uh, in ESPN head-to-head draft. So um, definitely missed out on him. Uh, but hey, we'll see. Hopefully, McKenzie pitches lights out when he returns. Uh, and then round eight, um, uh, I kind of went for the positional flexibility as well. Uh, I left Josh Bell. I, went, I wanted a first baseman. Left Josh Bell out here. He actually got picked right after me. Uh, and I got Luis Areas. So because he's a first baseman, and then I was thinking he was play a second baseman. So uh, has has that flexibility. Um, yeah, may not have the power numbers uh, as you know, as a Josh Bell, but for me, the positional flexibility I think is one thing I I went after here. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, McKenzie. You know, K per nine last year, 190 innings. Um, he was a sub three ERA too, I believe. Um, really good pitcher. Obviously, solid. You know, top of the Guardians rotation. It's a big loss for them. I you know not sure what he was going to bring this year. Like, would he repeat his season from last year? I wanted to see that, but, um, you know, with him being down two months, like that's a, that's a big blow for him and for them. Uh, I think maybe you'd be able to get some value if his shoulder is okay. Those that's always a scary injury with pitchers, but in general, um, you know, hopefully there are replacement level guys out there that can, you know, fill up some of his production. Um, and then arise. Yeah. Great on base guy. Sox killer. I mean, just from a personal standpoint, great batting average, obviously. So if you, you know, if you are doing batting average in your league, that's a stat that's going to matter for categories like super important. And he's going to help keep that number up for sure. Um, I like him. He's a solid player, especially when you're getting him at round eight. I think that's a good value. Um, Yeah. I mean, would we love to see him pop 20 home runs and get to maybe 90 RBIs as a hitter? Like, sure. But you know, it's probably not going to be part of his game, even though he's, you know, playing uh, a, fir- you know, first base, which traditionally would come with all that. But, uh, you know, I don't know where his steals numbers were, but, you know, I just think he's just a good overall baseball player. I mean, I feel like he, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit less power, but like a Tim Anderson type or, you know, Jeff McNeil in the NL. I think that's like, you know, both of them winning the batting titles. I feel like they're very comparable players. So um, you can probably count on them to uh, to be steady at the very least. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, batting average and I think hits were were taken and counting here too. So, um, hoping to like hone in that stat with like with him and then Mister Osaquan. I'm hoping to just kind of annihilate those two stats there. But um, yeah, who do you got for your next two picks? For round seven and eight, um, I grabbed for my outfield position um, Corbin Carroll. I feel like you know it's it's a it's kind of a risky pick. Um, round seven, looking at like pick seventy five here. Um, you know, can he be a top 75 player? Like, we'll see. I feel like 
we've seen nothing from him in the pros besides, you know, a September call up last year where he performed pretty well, 260. I think he had like a 330 OBP, showed a little bit of his, uh, you know, stolen base capability. I think he had some doubles and triples. Um, but just with everything that everybody's saying about him from him being, you know, kind of just taking over um, center field, I feel like is where he's going to be slated, you know. They're saying like 60 stolen base upside, rookie of the year, this and that. Uh, he's got all the tools. I just want to see it. I've been burned in the past with high rookie picks like this. Um, I went after Vladimir Guerrero after I think he came up um, briefly in 2019 or something. He completely busted for me. <laughs> but uh, I've, I think I've done the same with like Luis Robert also in the past or Eloy, one or the other. But uh, yeah, um, I'm interested in rolling the dice here. I feel confident enough that, you know, he's the kind of athlete that can stay on the field. And like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for that upside to come into play. So uh felt comfortable taking that pick, you know, taking that pick then in round eight, I was actually surprised, but Sander Bogarts uh, fell to me there. I think a lot of people are concerned about him shifting leagues, being a bit older. He only had 15 home runs and 70 RBIs last year in Boston. They're like, okay, now what happens if he goes to San Diego? I think what people are forgetting is this guy is just a true veteran player, hitter, champion, et cetera. Now you put him in a lineup where he gets to hit either in front of or behind Soto, Tatis, Machado, Cronenworth, you know, you name it. It's like, I mean, I get all the, like, he's been faded. People are saying, like, this guy's a projected bust. And, like, you know, if he gives me 15 home runs and 70 RBIs like he did last year, that's a good pick for me. Like, he, I drafted him at his value of of that. But I think he's got a higher ceiling than that, and that's just my own opinion. But I'm going against the analysts here, and I, yeah, I grabbed Bogarts in round eight. Got it. Yeah, Um First, yeah, with Corbin Carroll, uh, I mean, he had over 100 at-bats, so he's not like a complete, you know, um, I know he's like up for the Rookie of the Year award and everything, right? But uh, not like a brand new, spanking new Rookie of Year type of thing. So uh, definitely has some at-bats under his belt and everything that we've seen, like they gave him a contract extension too and all that. So uh, they feel pretty confident. And with that lineup, like he's definitely going to be getting his at-bats. So yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's worth the gamble, I think, versus like, I don't know, a rookie that's like a ninth hitter for the Yankees or something like that. Or maybe not the Yankees because it's a good hitting, yeah, traditionally good hitting. But like, yeah, like a ninth hitter for, uh, you know, maybe an NL team or something like that back in the day. Um, yeah. So, and we, yeah, with regards to Xander Bogarts, I mean, he's as much as like, I guess he's been a pretty solid glove in his career, right? Um, people forget he's actually a really good hitter, you know? Uh, so you know, with the protection that they have, yeah, he, they may not have um, the Fenway Park type of statistics, right? Um, but he still is a really solid hitter. He's, uh, you know, can have that, you know, pretty decent batting average, uh, hit for pop as well on occasion too. So, you know, I, I don't see, you know, if RBIs are, uh, are something for you with that lineup, you know, if, if he's been behind, I think uh, probably he'll probably bat behind like Soto and stuff like Soto's going to get on base so he can probably help bat him in. So, um, you know, for a shortstop, I think that's pretty good value there, uh, I'm thinking. And uh, how about rounds nine and ten for you? Yeah, nine and ten. So, you know, I didn't get Varsho because I went smart and got Tristan McKenzie there. Um, so I did want to get a catcher here. Uh, picked a uh, 
uh, Riyamoto, actually. So uh, I don't know if anybody ever saw that uh, that uh, John Boy Media uh, clip of him and the the the, the uh, umpire, right? Uh, I, I don't know if you saw that, but like he got kicked out basically for dropping a ball, or he he was faking, or he the the uh, umpire was thinking that he was going to hand him the, a ball to like throw to the cat to throw the pitcher, but misunderstood or something like that happened. And anyways, he got ejected and I think the umpire felt bad about it afterwards. So that was the whole thing. But uh, back to Rio Moza though, like the, the player, the fantasy baseball player. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a catcher, even though he's like, I think 32 or something like that still might be able to steal some bases here and there. So good speed, good power, good average. Um, so, you know, one of the better overall catchers, I think in the game. So, uh, try to, you know, uh, get, get, get a little bit more of a bat there at catcher. Um, although Corbin Carroll, at least in my league went after then Luis Robert and then Yoshida as well. So a couple of good uh, outfitters there. Um, and then at number 10 though, uh, uh, I was looking again, go back to pitching, uh, the pick right before me was Carlos Rodon, which I probably would have drafted. Uh, but I, you know, again, I'm kind of bullish on Kansas City a little bit. I went with Brady Singer, um, you know, one of the top, uh, I think he might have been like a top five, maybe, or yeah, one of the top top picks uh, in his draft, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, had a pretty good uh, season last season. Uh, you know, maybe didn't have the best ERA, but, you know, struck out a bunch of people. And I think he's going to be progressing. I think he's like 27 now or something like that. So um, kind of reaching that prime pitcher age. So I feel like he's going to have a good year uh with with the royals there so you know uh especially now that i struck out or maybe not struck out but um i'm, I'm gonna have to wait on uh mckenzie uh you know having i guess someone that can get some strikeouts with uh uh brady singer i think is something i hold value there so yeah yeah i mean jt rail muto in the ninth round is an incredible value. I mean, that's like almost a steal because I think in my draft, he went in like round four. And I think some guys, you know, want to reach for the upper echelon catchers. There aren't a ton of them, but I feel like this year with guys like Varsho, um, I ended up with MJ Melendez later in my draft, just another everyday player who has a catcher designation this year, just feel like catchers like a little deeper, but still, I mean, rail Muto I think was the first overall catcher last year. So to get him in round nine, again, is is pretty, uh, it's a pretty great value. Um, Singer, I like the upside. I mean, he pitched well on and off, I think, last year. I had him at one point. Um, I think he's a first-round product out of uh, Florida, if I'm if I'm not wrong there. But, uh, yeah, I like where his, his career is going. I mean, it, it, he had a rocky start to his career, and he's just shown um, improvement year over year. Like, last year was a really good campaign for him, so – I think you will have a guy in Singer that you'll have in your rotation all year. Um, but yeah, overall, um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of qualms with him as a player um, in general. But uh, outside of that, um, I guess for rounds nine and ten, I I picked up uh, this one was tough. I was I was trying to go back up to the Northwest, uh, looking at Robbie Ray's teammates out there, wanting another pitcher. And I've had my eye on this guy since last year, and I, I owned him because another guy dropped him. He was going through some ups and downs, but had an amazing end of the year. But I picked up George Kirby um, in round nine. A lot of hype around this guy coming into the league. I mean, I think at the start of last season, you know, he was a top um, 
waiver guy, somebody that most guys were just hoping he'd make the major league roster. And when he did fantasy managers, so like pouncing on picking him up, he kind of underwhelmed, I think throughout most of the year, but toward the end, he was just every game. I felt like he was a quality start, you know, just one after the other, after the other, and really put together a nice year. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping he can follow up with that and kind of build on, you know, the innings, um, you know, that he put up last year, I think he put up like 130 innings. So if he can just get to like 160, that'd be great, but um, may not have as much volume as other guys that, you know, are more or less your traditional aces. Um, and in round 10, I picked up Lars Newtbar. I feel like Lars had on paper, if you just look at his averages and stuff, like not exciting. I think his OPP was decent. He popped 14 home runs or so, but looking at his advanced metrics, one of the high, highest average exit velocities in the game, good hard hit percentage. He just makes really good quality contact consistently. He's a great runner. He's a great fielder. Like he's just a pure athlete. And I think a lot of, you know, analysts overall are really excited about what he can do in a full campaign. Um, he's got a really good K to walk ratio. So I think, you know, just got a good batting eye and stuff like that. So even if the averages appear low, he's still going to get on base enough, but, uh, you know, I really want to see if he can make another step, um, you know, in this year. So he's going to be surrounded by some really great, you know, talent in that offense. So I'm like, you know, if I can get some shares of him, if he's batting at the top of the order or somewhere in the middle, like just hoping to reap some benefits out of him as like a, an everyday starting outfielder. Yeah, no, you, you definitely want for the upside here, which I think, you know, is good at, you know, like rounds like nine and 10, right? Like, you know, players that are, key contributors for the team solid overall uh uh stats but then yeah like our you know 24 25 you know maybe this is like their second year or, or third year uh so that's usually like where players they they tend to take off a little bit more so um i think you know these are probably good positions uh you know with george kirby getting getting him there uh you know has one of those pitchers that has more strikeouts than innings pitch right um, so yeah, he had 130. If he can get 160, great. And then, you know, I think he had 133 strikeouts as well. Um, so you know, if he's able to translate that, that's probably 160, some odd of 170 strikeouts there for you know a season. So if he can replicate what he did kind of last season, uh a little bit there, then hey, why not? And you know, with this the Seattle squad that they have there, I think that's you know, I, I know I've spoken uh their lineup isn't that great, but uh, you know, I think they'll get some wins for sure. So uh, and Lars, I definitely like a lot of upside there. You know, that Cardinals team, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them, but they're definitely heavily favored and uh, definitely a team to watch. And I think Lars uh, is, has a lot of upside. Like you mentioned, the OBP is, is pretty, he's a sabermetrics like love child or something like that. So yeah, definitely a good pick there. Well, I know there were multiple rounds uh, to follow, you know, probably for both of our drafts, but um I guess, were there any other guys that you were just especially, you know, glad to add to your team, some steals or just guys you'll have, you know, think will have like really good years this year? Yeah, at least for me, I was looking at like, you know, uh, I, I do think there's some, I guess, upside for uh, Jose Miranda. Um, you know, for me in ESPN, he's a first base and, and third baseman. So, you know, there's positional value there. Uh, but, you know, I think we've been kind of talking about, at least I know you have for sure about the Twins uh you know having some promise i think uh so i i think uh jose Miranda can be uh one of those key members to kind of take them from what they were last year to you know maybe higher heights uh this coming year um 
other players, you know, I'm looking at here, uh, uh, Estrada potentially too, you know, if we're looking for a second baseman, um, you know, I think we were talking about that, you know, I kind of had him as, I guess a backup to, uh, Albies for my, for my team, but yeah. How about you, Pat? At least on my end, um, I got Jordan Walker in the 16th round. Um, I was actually just surprised he fell that late based on all the hype, based on everything that analysts are saying about, you know, his productivity in the minors uh, to what he did earlier on in spring training, just how hard he's actually hitting baseballs and just how consistent of a hitter he's been um, at his age and at the levels he's played at so far. I mean, granted, the guy's 20 years old. He made the opening day roster. They're going to plug him into left field, but you know, in some leagues, I've already gone like 90th overall, and I think I got him at pick 190. So I was just like, I mean, to me, this is like no risk because if he doesn't happen to be good or needs more seasoning in the minors or just isn't a platoon split with one of the other Cardinals, like I can just drop him and not feel bad about it. So, you know, I'll take my chances because if his upside is there and he just happens to have like a Julio Rodriguez or Ronald Acuna light rookie year, I mean – looking at like almost uh, an all-star caliber player for free. Um, besides that, um, I am looking forward to seeing like how Hunter Brown's going to do. I grabbed him in round 17. Um, you know, with McCullers out, they're saying that he's going to be in the starting rotation. For me, he was our uh, relief pitcher eligible, so I can throw him into one of the RP slots. Um, you know, I think I would predict him to win the rookie of the year, so I think highly enough of him as a talent and, how he's going to aggregate stats, whether he's a reliever, starter, whatever else, but just excited to, to kind of take the ride based on all the hype and everything like that. And he's obviously playing for Houston. So I feel pretty comfortable with, uh, you know, the uniform he puts on every day. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a big fan. I think of Jordan Walker. I think I predicted him to win uh rookie of the year. Uh, and then I think you course me to think more about uh, Corbin Carroll a little bit there, uh, but you know, player that plays for, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I guess, that argument. It's like you, you, you take a player that has all the talent in the world, or maybe you have two players that have all the talent in the world, right? One, you, you stick them like on the top of the lineup, right? They, they're they going to get a bunch of at-bats versus maybe a player, they're in a loaded lineup, you know, maybe you bat them like fifth or sixth or seventh or something like that. But, you know, they're going to get uh, – uh, be batting in front of people that get on base, that, you know, drive in runs, that – are going to drive a starting pitching out. So maybe that helps, you know, that seventh uh, uh, player, you know, I'm kind of thinking like maybe of, you know, uh, uh, you know, that Cleveland roster, like back in the nineties, right. was just loaded. Like, I can't remember who like their seventh hitter was, but if it was like Manny Ramirez or something like that, it's like, that's pretty sick. So um, yeah, that's kind of one thing I think with Jordan Walker is that with that team, he's just going to obliterate it and he's just going to, um, you know, they're going to, uh, I'm really excited if I'm a Cardinals fan, I would say. So, um, very excited about Jordan Walker. Yeah, no, it's good to hear. Um, it is funny to think like Harold and Walker might be going head to head with each other for rookie of the year. And I grabbed one in round seven, like really highly valued pick and grabbed the other in like round 16. So like, God, I mean, I hope it's a race between those two. I hope they, you know, just kill it all year. Um, I'm taming my expectations a bit just based on, you know, Walker's age and maybe lack of experience and like how competitive that team might be where he might get some of his at bats stolen. But uh, yeah, man, gotta love the talent. And uh, you know, if it's not this year, I'm sure there'll be 
other, you know, big years ahead for him as a major league baseball player. But, um, you know, I guess with that, um, that was our fantasy drafts. Um, you know, overall, I thought it was a lot of fun. If you guys have any thoughts on our picks, any of them, um, based on our leagues or whatever else, like feel free to drop a comment down. We've been definitely appreciating your feedback on other videos and stuff. So, you know, keep it coming, feel free to, you know, attack, you know, me or Wayne or however you feel or compliment us, however you, however you'd like, but, uh, you know, we'll be on YouTube and uh, Instagram as well, uh, for, for stuff like that. But, uh, I guess at least on the baseball front, I just wanted to ask you, Wayne, before opening day kicks off on Thursday, um, is there just anything else you're excited about this year or something you'll be tracking, um, just overall in the game? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, in terms of tracking, you know, uh, I definitely will be interested to see, I guess, Shohei, you know, uh, I know we posted like a video, uh, I think it was like last week, basically, or a couple of days ago, got a lot of views. That's great. Thank you for doing all that. But interesting to see like if Shohei could maintain what he's been doing, I think, uh, from the previous past couple of seasons. I mean, I mean, I think we've both been kind of thinking about like, can he be the GOAT? Like, who's who's done it at this level, I guess, you know, in this day and age. Right. So, um, I'll be, I'll be definitely watching Shohei. Definitely be watching the white Sox for sure. Uh, seeing hopefully, you know, better managing, uh, uh and a healthier squad. Um, and then, you know, I got some bets too going on, I think with regards to, uh, Cy Young awards and all that, Hope, hoping that Dylan sees gets it. So, uh, things like that. Um, I I'm, you know, for me, I'm a sucker for a good pitching. So, you know, if if I see a, a one zero score or something like that in a box score, I'm definitely going to be excited to see some of that. So, um, very much looking for that. Uh, kind of, you know, I, I want to see actually Jack Flaherty like actually come back and you know, hey, with this whole uh, new Cardinal squad, you know, this Cardinal squad is going to be sick. I think, you know, especially if Jordan Walker can play to his potential in his rookie year here. So, um, that's definitely a team to watch. So overall, I'm just looking to forward to getting outside i i don't know how this uh my skin is showing right now on the screen but i look pale as hell so <laughs> i like you know casper or whatever uh, if they powdered up or something so i'm uh, looking forward to getting outside watching some baseball and getting some sun so but yeah how about you pat yeah um overall just like wondering how you know banning the shift making bases bigger putting pitch clocks up for pitchers like how this is actually going to change baseball like i've heard that the juice ball era is now done. They're going to go back to like balls that are a little bit more deadened. Um, you know, it seems like they're making uh, concessions for offense. They're making concessions for pitching. So it's like, will this all just balance out and be really no big deal. But um, I think for left-handed hitters, just not having three infielders to the left, you know, or whatever else, it's really going to help them, you know, turn those ground outs into base hits and, and uh, you know, shallow pops to right field, not be catched by, you know, second baseman, but maybe fall right in front of the right fielder like traditional time. So um, will this, you know, stolen base game get accelerated? You know, maybe, I mean, there's pickoff limits that we've talked about in the past. The bases have gotten just a touch bigger. Like, will that actually matter? Like we'll have to find out, um, you know, and I guess with the pitch clocks, like, you know, what's the rhythm and cadence of the game going to be like? Are, are certain pitchers that have been so used to maybe holding the ball for a little bit longer or, you know, kind of taking their time going to be at a disadvantage or, you know, or will, you know, batters who have, you know, a lot of superstitions, will they have to like kind of hurry up their 
approach as well. Like there's just a lot of rules that will add like balls and strikes that it, you know, I think the game may need just based on, you know, a general fan, casual fan, um, you know, buy-in perspective. But, you know, for some of us traditionalists, it's like, I want the game to be better. Like I want it to be more exciting, but I just hope it's not like a circus out there where it's like every other pitch is an added ball or strike because they can't get their, their shit together. So, um, yeah, I guess from a rules perspective, that's what I'm kind of, you know, seeing as far as this year goes. And, uh, I guess from a baseball perspective and just, you know, looking at a team, I'm kind of attracting a team. I really hope the Mariners take that extra step. I mean, I looked back at that rotation one more time and the relief core, and I'm like, man, I want to make you guys, you know, the AOS champions this year. I want to make you a dark horse for world series and winning it all. Um, the offense is the thing that is going to kind of stir the pot with that team for me. I mean, I think Julio Rodriguez is obviously a stud. If he can be an MVP candidate, like they've got a pretty good shot. Um, but guys like Ty France, Colton Wong, JP Crawford, like, Hellenic maybe having like a good season. Um, they're all potential. I mean, it's and Teoscar Hernandez, like, can he have that bounce back year? Like, if they can string together that offense to complement that, like, elite starting pitching and good relief core, like, we are maybe looking at a World Series dark horse that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah. I know there's a lot of uh, Mariners fans uh, from, you know, my second hometown, I guess, now. So, uh, but yeah, no, that, that pitching squad, I think is definitely going to carry them. If they can muster up enough runs though, I think that's the key, the, the, the key ask from them is just, Hey, you know, uh, I know they, they, they lost, uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh, this off season, but you know, yeah, like you mentioned, they got T Oscar. So, uh, hopefully, you know, some of their players have a little bit more of a bounce back, I think from their previous, uh, uh from last year, I guess, with regards to their offense and like Jesse Winker. He didn't do so hot. Uh, I know he's with a different team now, but you know, there's something, I guess, in the water, like all the talent went to Julio Rodriguez, I feel like. So on the offensive side, and then everybody else kind of just hit homers there, right? So um, hopefully yeah, the Mariners, I think, do bounce back at least offensively. But then, you know, if that happens, if they if their offensive talent can play up to their potential, that team is I don't I don't know how uh even the Astros can uh, contain them there, even with their talented, you know, lineup and and pitching too. So um, cause for me, honestly, like I would take the Mariners pitching over the, the Ashes pitching. It's just that their hitting is so much better. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that's, a, that's a cool thing. And yeah, glad you mentioned the whole, I guess, uh, shifts and rule changes, things like that. Um, be interesting, like how that impacts the fantasy draft, uh, and like players that like, you know, the Schwarbers of the world, right. Where there was like ultra shifting going on, uh, or Joey Gallo even, yeah, I know he'll strike out here and there for sure. Uh, but you know. The shift definitely has, I think, changed the game. So I, for me, it, it, I think it is for the better. Some, you know, it, it definitely got this whole idea though of like, you know, we we want to see the best players, left-handed or what, uh, hit the ball. We don't want to see them bunt, right? So it, I think that's been the biggest or one of the main reasons why like we never see like a Barry Bonds. You know, if there was a shift for Barry Bonds, why you know he's not getting paid all that money, or people aren't going to be in the stands to watch him do a bunt, right? So. Uh, I, I think it's better for the game overall. I know, you know, there's definitely the baseball purist side of like, well, just let them bunt. Again, you know, we don't want to see the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world, right? Uh, just bunt. So I'm all in favor for that, you know, let, let them rake, right? So, um, but I do want to see more base stealing. I think that is definitely something that's overlooked. 
Uh, there's a lot of players out there that I feel like their value just uh, isn't there as much because, yeah, they're not uh, stealing bases or they're being told not to steal bases. You know, definitely this whole money ball route. So, and I think it's a disservice to the game. It's very exciting. You know, um, uh, like I, I think there needs to be a challenger for Ricky Henderson. I think that would be great if there is somebody that's able to do that. I don't know if that's going to happen even with these changes, but I mean, base stealing is pretty damn fun, I would say. So, uh, was a big fan, I guess, of that Marlins team, right? That went, went to the World Series with uh, Luis Castillo and Juan Pierre. I, I think that was pretty awesome how they like, essentially almost like stole the world series obviously the great pitching Miguel Cabrera too and all that but those guys were running mayhem uh you know against the Cubs team there um and then in the world series too so looking forward to seeing hopefully more base stealing too yeah I think that's a pretty good you know wrap up of baseball from where we're sitting right now um again baseball starts on Thursday couldn't be more excited I mean, even just to have like a game in the background stuff, like I don't have to watch all nine innings. It's just kind of like, you know, if you like golf or if you, you know, if you have other sports where it's just like, hey, that can just be on and I can do like another thing or two at the same time. Like, it's just one of my favorite things. And obviously going to games is a whole lot of fun. Um, These days I get to far less than I used to when I was single in DC, but maybe I'll get out to a Nats game or even, Camden Yards again maybe maybe Chicago maybe the White Sox if I'm in town like that'd be a lot of fun too but uh you know fingers crossed for the White Sox and uh you know hopefully they they all make a push but um I guess with that do you have any other final thoughts for this show I mean hey if you're in Chicago let me know um or yeah maybe I'll hit up uh DC I don't know uh you know, I definitely want to uh, check out my work office there or something like that. So we'll see. But, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing baseball, you know, watching baseball. Yeah, like you said, having something in the background or, you know, a lot of us are still working from home. But I feel like baseball is like the one sport you can like have in the background and actually still get work done. Right. So definitely looking forward to to having that. For sure. Um, I guess for final thoughts, I I don't really know if I have a ton. Like I, I feel like a lot of the food stuff that we'll usually cover, like I kind of did during my fantasy draft segment, but uh, I guess I also forgot to mention one of the guys uh, dropped off a tray of Rice Krispie treats that they had bought, but it was like Rice Krispie treats three different ways. One was original. The other was uh, had peanut butter inside of it with chocolate on top. And then one had like fruity pebbles and then a mashup of rice krispies. So it was kind of like this hybrid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rice krispie ones with the uh um fruity pebbles was great. I mean, I'd recommend that to really anybody who likes treats and stuff. But I guess even going back to the corona and the pretzels and stuff, I was kind of like thinking about bakeries and stuff. And uh I don't know if you have any like fond bakery memories or you know, just overall things you like to get when you go out to a good bakery, but I know we've touched on desserts in the past, but if you have anything specific to that, I would just like to hear some of your thoughts. Yeah, that, that's a good, that's definitely a good uh, question there. Um, I'd say, you know, I was thinking also about the Rice Krispie Treats. Um, uh, if you, and I like how you mentioned like the Fruity Pebbles too. Uh, if you haven't tried a, uh, not uh, Captain Crunch, the berries, the berries, and you know, making them like you know, with the uh, kind of like a rice crispy, right? Or right? Captain Cr- a Crunch Berry treat um, with uh, you know some uh, marshmallows tying it all together. 
that is to die for, I would I would say. So I, I haven't had the Rice Krispie Treats uh, or the Fruity Pebbles, but I would imagine that the it's probably comparable to the Captain Crunch, just with a little bit more crunch, you know. So um, definitely recommend that. Uh, but yeah, with regards to the bakeries, I love, I think I'm, I might've talked about, it. I love pie. I love <laughs> pie. Um, too, so much so there was a, uh, a place in, uh, Seattle, uh, I forget the name now, but it was, it was a, it's a pie shop, like a, like a chain, like well-known pie shop there. Uh, I, I used to live a couple blocks from this pie shop. Um, and they made, they had the most deadliest thing. They, uh, they gave me a punch card. Uh, and they sold like single serving pies and it's like, you know, five bucks of a slice of pie, but it's like really good pie, like gourmet style type of pie. Not like, you know, from a Kroger store or something like that, like gourmet, uh, you know, like they'll, they'll have, um, I think they call it like the grasshopper pie, right? It's kind of like a, a mint chocolate chip type of pie, things like that. But I remember like in a month, I would go through that punch card. I don't remember how many there were, but I, I went through that punch card, like through like three or four punch cards just because I love that pie so much. So um, definitely a big pie guy. Also like a nice uh, almond croissant. There's a place near near me, uh, flour with the pH. Uh, uh, but yeah, they have a really good uh, almond croissant that they have like a little bit of like a, I think it's like a apple jam of some sort in the middle. It's just to die for great with like a nice cup of coffee, like on a nice relaxing weekend and all that. So um, those are the ones that come to my mind, but definitely a pie guy. I'm going to stay on your pie note for a second here. Um, we've got a spot out in Virginia. It's kind of on your way to Quantico. If you want to like go down, you know, Southwest and check out the FBI headquarters or whatever, but it's a small little um, town called Aquaquan. It sits on, um, I believe some part of the Potomac river and then one of the, uh, like branches that split off from the river itself. But, uh, in general, it kind of reminds me of uh, door County, you know, kind of near Chicagoland area, just like, you know, a bunch of different little resort towns, but everything in this little area is mom and pop shops, uh, restaurants, things like that. And then, um, they have this mom's apple pie bakery that just like is a staple there. It's been there for a long time, but I bought a chocolate pecan pie from that place. And like, I love pecan pie, but like adding the chocolate inside of it, I think it was either chocolate chips or a swirl of some kind, but like just so good. And they just do like, you know, cookies, they do um, all sorts of fruit pies and stuff like that. But we've, you know, gone down there from time to time, maybe like once a month, once every couple of months or something like that. But then every time we leave, we always have, you know, some sort of pie to go. So yeah, I don't know, just made like, those bakeries and stuff, especially like the mom and pop owned ones, just, man, it's just like good, like good for the soul. You know what I mean? Um, but I will give a shout out to one of my buddies, uh, you know, Walker. Um, we were at college. This is probably my favorite baked good of all time, but every once in a while, his mom would just stop and he was my roommate in college at DePaul. But uh, every time his mom came out to visit, probably saw her like every few months or something she'd always bring a pan of her some more brownies and legitimately can like that tray probably had like 20 or more brownies in it. The thing would be gone in two to three nights between he and I, because that thing would just sit up on the counter and like, you would just take a little bit and then go back and take a little bit more. But essentially the base, the base layer was graham crackers, 
The next layer was just a very thick uh, chocolate chip fudge brownie. And then on top, it was just nothing but small marshmallows over the top. And then you just kind of pop that thing in the oven, like cut it all out. And thing was just like the, you know, the marshmallow just stretch out and oh. man, it was just, just everything you really wanted in a dessert, you know, like, I don't know a person who doesn't like s'mores. The person should be just not on earth if they don't. Uh, but in general, like with the brownie element to it too, it's just like so unctuous, you know what I mean? Like just so filling and sweet and all good stuff. But man, still probably to this day, one of like my top uh, dessert memories. I'm salivating right now. Oh man, that sounds so good. No, I definitely like a good s'more. So um, I think like any s'more, like even like, you know, s'more like, uh, uh, ice cream, right? Stuff like that, or s'more. Like if it if it is a dessert and it has the word s'mores in there or something like that, and it has like you know the basic s'more stuff, then it's definitely like a oh, what is this? Let me eat some of this. I feel like, and then you step on the scale the next day and you're like, that was a mistake. So uh, definitely appreciate it. I think a good s'more type of dessert. Before I forget the because uh, I wanted to name the, the Seattle Pie Shop is Alamode Pies. Actually, I think there's several locations there. So. But yeah, hopefully they are still doing the punch card because that thing is the best thing ever, for sure. No doubt. Well, you know, maybe we should open up a bakery one day, the ball and breakfast pie shop. I mean, I'm sure we'd sell lots of units if we stick with just pies themselves. But uh, yeah, just in general, um, you know, good coverage of baseball, you know, food, our drafts, everything else. Looking forward to Thursday, the big kickoff. So um I think with that, um, Wayne, if you have no further thoughts, uh, you know, we can wrap up the show for tonight. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, hopefully I'm wondering if, uh, uh, the white Sox or if anybody has a promotion for pie, uh, at a stadium, uh, let us know. <laughs> that would be a great shout out for us to do. So, but yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, grab your plates, fill up some good, you know, beer or whatever else you want in your cup, uh, you know, enjoy kicking back on Thursday night as opening day uh, should start at least for the White Sox. I know there'll be action going on throughout the day, whether you got a package or not, but uh, definitely looking forward to baseball. I've been missing it a lot. And uh, these last couple of months have been pretty dead. So um, definitely need that new jolt and, uh, you know, excited to see how the season plays out.